Caden Co PR would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to season four of the Press Office with Caden Co PR. We are so excited to be bringing you this season in 2023 because we have some of the most amazing guests lined up. I have had such an absolute pleasure chatting to these people who are game changers in the media industry. And of course, to kick off the season, We had to start with a bang. So we are bringing back one of our favourite guests ever to appear on the press office with Kate and Co PR. None other than the queen of the news cycle, especially on social media, Jackie Felgate. Jackie was actually our first ever guest on the press office with Kate and Co PR with that episode going live in 2021. And not only has the world significantly changed since then, so has Jackie's career. She has gone from being a full-time news presenter with Channel 7 to being a disruptor in the world of media and news reporting. Her Instagram is our number one go-to when it comes to finding out what is trending, especially here in Melbourne. And since leaving her full-time job, not only has Jackie's social media presence grown even more, but she has picked up some amazing gigs in the meantime too, launching her own podcast, It's Been A Week signing up for Friday Night Footy with 3AW and also working with them ongoing, launched a fashion collection and has also done a number of ambassador jobs, presenting at events. She's a very busy woman, but she is amazing. And I think my last interview with her was one of my favourite interviews I've ever done. And I'm so lucky that I get to chat to her again. And I'm going to stop talking. Let's get on to the interview. Firstly, Jackie, welcome to your second episode of The Press Office with Kate and Copia. You are actually the first guest to join us for the second time. So firstly, congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled. I'm glad you uh, asked me to come back. <laughs> now, since I last spoke to you, you have had such a huge transition in your career from working full-time at Channel 7 to now having your finger in Many pies from radio presenting with 3AW, event hosting, podcasting, and of course, keeping Melbourne and myself up to date with the latest news on your Instagram. How have you found the past 12 months? It's been amazing. I can't complain. I find now, like sometimes I think when you leave one job and you're not exactly sure how it's going to work out. I guess what I did know is that I just couldn't keep doing the hours that I was doing and the role that I was in with children was just getting a bit too much. And 
So I sort of thought, well, I'll, I'll throw caution to the wind and see what happens. And you don't, like I said, you don't really know how it's going to go. But I find now that I'm, I'm really fulfilled in that what I get from my Instagram, it's fascinating. Like it's kind of pivoted towards this news thing where if it happens in Melbourne, people will generally tell me about it. So I never know on any given day, like I'll find your dog for you if you lose it. Um, <laughs> you never know what your day is going to be like. And I'm really enjoying that because I, each time I open up my phone, I think what's happening today? And people send me the most weird and wonderful things. And, you know, as, as a journo for, for a long time, it's fascinating. You, you find all these things and it's very fulfilling when you have that direct connection with people, I think on social media and People will say often, you know, social media is, it can be quite toxic and that's true. But in my experience, for the most part, I found it's a really great way to engage with people that you otherwise wouldn't get to meet. I have to ask, how many DMs do you get a day? You know what I never do? I never look at my <laughs> screen time because I think I would be in a lot of trouble if I did. Um, it depends on the day and it depends on the story that I've put up. And if it's something that's sort of really captured the public's attention, then some days you'll get hundreds and other days it'll be quieter. It just depends on what news is around and if people are truly engaged with that story or not. Yesterday was really busy. Today's been busy because there's been a lot of news around. But then other days you might only get, you know, 10 or 20. Do you ever get scared that if you take a day off that all your followers will be a bit worried and not in the know of what's going on? I just don't take a day off, but when do you ever not have your phone on you? This is the thing. You can use your phone to waste time or you can use it to be productive. And I find I'm, I'm very productive when I'm on my phone because I'm engaging with people, I'm getting back to them. And they in turn are giving you this amazing platform where they really want to see what's happened to them feature on your page. And it's almost like it's become this surrogate news service, but it's driven by what other people tell me, not so much by what I think but by what people give to me in that way, which is it's fascinating. It's been a really good lesson for me in social media and sort of who drives it, how does it become successful, um, and how do you kind of set yourself as something that wasn't there before. And I think that's a little bit, it's quite Melbourne-focused, obviously. Um, I tend not to do much international stuff unless it's huge. It's almost like a little bulletin board for people that, you know, whether it be a weather event in Melbourne, whether it be a truck hitting the Montague Street Bridge, the seal, you know, all these really Melbourne things, which is really cool. And yes, I don't look at my screen time. I never will. <laughs> <laughs> you touch on the fact that, you know, social media can be quite a toxic and negative place, but what you're doing is, you know, turning it into a news source. It's so informative. Do you think that the news media space will just continue to kind of take over Instagram or other social media platforms? Absolutely. And I think that's perhaps where traditional media maybe missed the boat a little bit early on. And, and COVID for me was that when I realised, well, you might not be in front of your television at that time, but where you are is your phone is always with you. So why not give people the information that they need on their phone, which they have in their hand all the time. So I absolutely think that um, people have pivoted and whether it be TikTok or whether it be, I'm not, I'm on TikTok, but I don't do much on it, but that younger generation, they're quite focused on that social media platform and Instagram for people more my age and, you know, some young people as well. But I think the majority um, of people that follow me are sort of 25 to 45 or 50 um, in that bracket there. And, but you do, you do see a lot of older people and a lot of younger people as well. But that is absolutely where they consume their news because it's it's a way that they know that these are the things that 
are going to affect them because they've chosen to follow me or they've chosen to follow another news website on there. You can almost tailor your news to what you want in your life. And I find that to be quite fulfilling in that if there are things I'm not interested in, I don't want to look at them. I want to look at the things that are interesting to me. And I guess I hope that what I find to be important and interesting is also what people in Melbourne find important and interesting. My favourite story of yours in recent times has to be Henry the Seal. And he was such a huge phenomenon in Melbourne. And I was very lucky enough to actually see him when I was in the area. He was at the uh, beach right near like my family's house and so beautiful. I was obsessed. How did you know that that news would resonate with your followers and Melbournians or did you not really care because you loved the story? No, oh, no, I knew straight away. I, I, I said to him five minutes, I was like, I'll never get better than this. This is the bar because I opened up my phone and I would have had maybe 10 or 20 DMs from people who'd sent me videos of the seal, like literally breaking into a service station. It's just bizarre and the size of him and everything. And the, my phone was just exploding. I didn't realise I had so many followers in Point Lonsdale, which is a beautiful part of the world. And it was just blowing up over this seal and I just, you just absolutely knew. So I cut together a couple of reels really quickly, got it out there as quickly as you can, and then people just went nuts. And you know when you're onto something, when you get – I don't sell my pictures to anybody, but I get a lot of requests because they're not mine. They're, they're a vision that someone else has chosen to give me and what they've given me permission to do is put it on my platform. But you'll find a lot of those bigger news websites from overseas will contact you and they'll ask you, can we please have permission to reshare this? And, you know, we'll give you money. And I always say, no, no, I don't want money. You can obviously, you'll see it on the news tonight because they always grab it anyway. But those websites, you know, when you're onto a big thing, when you've got major international sites, like Puberty's one and another one, Lad Bible, like there's a lot of those huge ones that have got millions and millions, good news, tank good news, like a few of those, they'll contact you and ask for permission. And you know then that the story is bigger than what you you know, you could imagine because you've got international following there that, that want to reshare it. And there's a lot of those types of sites that want money. And I just think that's not something that I would do because it's not it's not for me. I'd have to go contact the person that sent it to me. And that wasn't why they wanted it either. It's almost like crowdsourced news in a way, I think. And once you start, you know, you take sponsored content if it sits in my alignment, but I don't take any money from anything that I post that people have given me. And besides from Henry the Seal, what other stories have you loved reporting on? Oh, you never know the stories where they'll go, but I've got sort of a, you know, after working in news for for nearly 20 years, you have a good idea of what's going to be of interest. And Sometimes I don't post things like I'll get sent a lot of videos of fights, for example, that I know are going to end up on the news. And I just think that's not really what I would want to put on my platform, like people being assaulted. People will send me those all the time. Like, no, I can't post those. But just yesterday I did do one which I thought was really important. It's sort of like, you know, what what's important to me? And it was the women on the houseboat just yesterday who had these guys throwing beer bottles at them and these women were terrified and they contacted me and they said, what do we do? And I think in a lot of ways that kind of thing, it's it's really, it gives me a good feeling to be able to help people because they're not quite sure where to go and what to do with these with this vision. And that's a lot of it is do they want to send it to a major newsroom where they don't actually want to be identified, you know, so they can send it to me so it's anonymous and they can get it out into the media that way. And I think they, a lot of people find that quite comforting that you kind of put a barrier between them and 
maybe the traditional news media and that allows them to get their story out there, when it, whether it be um, it, that one was really big yesterday. It was the lead story on all the newses throughout the day. And then today I've got one which you just want to help people where a nurse has had her engagement wedding band stolen from a hospital in Melbourne while she was on shift. And so we put that out there today in the hope that the publicity from that, someone will say, well, look, I have stolen that bag, but I understand that these rings have sentimental value and maybe they'll give them back to her. So there's little things like that that make a big difference to someone's lives, even though there won't necessarily be a huge story. I was following the houseboat story yesterday and you you posted the one story and then all these other people had similar experiences with the same group of men. And not only was it disgusting, but at least then, you know, those stories can be connected in a way and there's a bigger case to build for what they did. Exactly. And I think a lot of the time, as I said, it's almost like this bulletin board, this public notice board where something happens, you whack it up there and then everyone will respond and and have an opinion on it or be connected to it without you even realising. And it does show the good in people. A lot of it, even though that's a bad news story, it was really great that all these people were, were on there straight away saying, we support these women, this is a disgrace, let's get the police onto it. And multiple people came forward saying, I saw these these guys and I saw what they did and they did it to my other this other boat and sort of you know you could track it all all the way along and that does show you the true power I think of of social media in a very different way to a traditional news source. Mm, Definitely and we we talked about how you know media and social media are so interconnected these days. What are your opinions on you know journalists and especially um, those who are pursuing a career in journalism in having you know a personal platform on social media? It's a hard one. I had a platform you know for a long time and I feel like most journalists, you can kind of get yourself to twenty and 30,000 followers just, you know, by showing a bit of your life and, and what you're doing. But what are you actually trying to provide to people and what are you giving them that they don't have on any other social platform or any other traditional platform? So how do you stand out from the crowd when there are so many people there? For me, I think a bit of it was timing, a bit of it was luck, and a bit of it was realising straight away that, oh, hang on, there's a gap here where nobody's doing this on this platform. Why are they not doing it? And I I just love news. I've always loved it. And from there, it was just three key facts every day and then getting the information to people in a way that they could easily digest during COVID. But then on top of that, well, when we stopped sort of, you know, COVID, we've all moved on from that, then what do I do with this platform and how do I make it interesting? And I guess I just started posting the news of the day and people were, well, she's done this for COVID. I want to send her something that's happened to me or I want to, I found like that was really helpful during COVID. I'm going to keep following her because she's providing me with some new information that I'm also interested in as well as a bit of an insight into my weird life, which I think some people like to see, some people don't, but I guess it's just just me and I try to be as authentic as I can and that's another tip. There's a whole bunch of stuff on social media that people do I think that's really filtered and I never use filtered like I don't actually put filters on it but I also don't present a view of the world that's filtered from my life or you know I've got two kids it can be a nightmare so I'll put that on there that you know life isn't perfect because when you present yourself out to look different to what you are it's not authentic and people it doesn't resonate with me and I can imagine it doesn't resonate with a lot of people out there. 
Definitely. And with your podcast, which you've recently launched, it's been a week, was that kind of an extension of your Instagram page? Yeah, it was great. So we did that for 10 episodes and I've got a little break now because we're going on to, I'm going on to football, which is a huge job for me. And I just don't have the time, but as you would know, Marissa, it's, um, it's quite a lot like to do and to produce a podcast and we were doing it ourselves. We loved it, but I'm going to take a little break and think, gosh, do I want to do that again? Or do I want to do something else different? Because at the moment I don't have a day off and I sort of left traditional media to go, I want to step back a little bit and not get myself into another full-time job. And I found with the pod, because it was news-based as well, it was just, it was a stack of work and we just don't have the time at the moment when we've got, both of us had families and we were super busy. So, but I actually really enjoyed it. And it was such an interesting space that I hadn't done anything in before. So I think I'll revisit it, but I also think I'll, I'll get through the footy season and see how I go with that because that's every Friday night and it's a lot of work for me. And then I've got another radio job and I fill in on breakfast radio as well. Plus all the other jobs that I have. But yeah, podcasting's great. There is not, I think people love it's a whole shift again into that different space of are we listening to traditional news? Are we watching traditional TV? Or are we moving into this completely different space that is occupied by social media and by podcasting? And I just think it's it's so great, all of these new forms of media. And as people come up into this industry, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to go down that path that is the more traditional path or what's next? Like, what do we not know? What are we not doing yet that's coming? You know, there's so much to look forward to. And I lo- I just love new media. I just find it utterly fascinating. Talking about new media, what are your thoughts on TikTok? I like it, but I'm still learning about it. And what I find interesting about TikTok is I can't quite work out with Instagram. I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly what's going to resonate with people. But with TikTok, I'll post something up there and it'll get 3 million views and then I'll post something interesting and it'll get a 1,000. So I'm quite cracked the algorithm there and I think it's very complicated compared to Instagram, which is everyone knows how to use it now. Whereas TikTok is, it's a whole new kettle of fish, isn't it? And um, I also find with TikTok, you can get on it and an hour later you've done nothing and you've just sat there looking through it. And I tend to do that less with Insta. I don't know about you. I feel like it's a bit of a rabbit war on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok's a little bit scary, but I'm the same. Like I sometimes just post nothing too seriously and some things just go viral for no apparent reason. And then other things that I'm like, oh, this is actually a cool bit of content. No one sees it. (laughs) Because do you find advertisers now want TikTok as part of that? Or is it still, it's funny, isn't it? I look at it and see, oh, there's a bit of bit of advertising on there, but it's sort of on a totally different level to, to what is elsewhere. It's really hard too because I think with Instagram and, and especially Instagram stories and even grid posts, they are quite immediate, like you get the reward straight away, whereas TikTok, a piece of content has like a three to six month lifespan. So you don't actually get great results at the start. So if you need something sold now, TikTok is a little bit more difficult for that. It's interesting. It is very interesting. I'm wondering how, you know, news media will start using that platform more because I am starting to see more of it on my feed. Mm, I think with news media, everything, it's like turning around a really big ship. Things take time. And that's one of the problems. Like traditional media is amazing to get information out to people. But when you want to make a change in that space, they're very risk averse, I think. 
So with social media, you can whack it up there and it's, it's out there within a minute or two, but it takes broadcast media and print media a, long, a lot longer to get that happening, I think, and that's where Instagram and, and TikTok have it over them in spades. You can just get it out there straight away. And I look back to a time when we didn't have social media and I think, gosh, what do I actually do for a living? <laughs> Your job has completely changed and I would love to jump back a little bit, was that initial step of leaving Channel 7 and in a role that many people would see as a dream job, was that a difficult decision? I think in the end, you know, it wasn't for me because, you know, I, I say this to everybody, a dream job's only a dream job until it isn't. And for me, it just wasn't. And um, while I'm very grateful for the time that I had there and the opportunities, you know, for me, as I said, it's 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 really hard. It was really hard the hours that I was doing, and I just was quite unhappy by the end of it. That you know, working every weekend with two young children, hiring a nanny to take my daughter to Auskick because I couldn't do it myself, um, and my husband works on the weekend as well, just became it, it just utterly unfeasible in the end. And I and I take my hat off to any families that can do it because it's so hard. Like nobody does a nine to five job anymore. And one thing about television news is it's totally inflexible. You can't work from home. Yeah, I, I don't know how people do it. And it, that's one great thing that I've found that has come out of COVID is, you know, the flexibilities of a workplace. Like you always have your laptop, you always have your phone, you always have your emails, but obviously in broadcast journalism, that isn't really the reality. No, it's absolutely not. But I think, and you look at nursing staff, hospital staff, people who work in factories, all of these people have to go into work and they don't have this, you know, dream scenario that many of us now have where you can choose where you work and when you work with a flexible employer. But not everyone has that. And I'm very grateful. Look, it took a bit of a leap of faith. Well, when I say a bit, a lot, you know, and would it work out? Would I actually be able to sustain a living? And what was I really jumping into when I didn't really have much solid? I had a job with Chemist Warehouse, which is great, called the House of Wellness, and that is recorded once a fortnight. So we have this amazing, they're so good to me and, and always facilitate everything with my kids and drop the kids off and head there and shoot that and then, you know, you're home at a reasonable hour. And then everything else that's fallen into place around it, I didn't really know if any of that was going to happen. And so now to be my own boss for the first time at 40 years of age, I would never have dreamt of that. And just the fulfillment it gives you to be able to say, I've got this opportunity and I can say yes or no. And I've got this one over here too. And this one isn't going to suit me because I need to be somewhere with the kids. And, you know, it's a, it's an amazing privilege to have control of your life after working for major companies for such a long time, like all great opportunities. And I think when you're young, it's it's, you know, I had the best career. It was brilliant. Like all the things I did and there's no box left that I had to tick. You know, everything I've ever wanted to do, I did. And now, you know, at 40, I feel like I've reset my career and I'm doing something totally different and it's even more fulfilling than I could have ever imagined. I think your leap of faith definitely did work. So <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, you're one of the people that whenever I have the opportunity to interview Everyone I talk to and tell about it is just in awe. They're so excited. They can't wait to hear from you. So what would you recommend for anyone listening who wants to be the next Jackie Felgate? Take the jump. Like if you're not <laughs> happy, do it. And if you've got an idea, I think with Insta as well, it was just an idea. Like I just, everyone else was sort of doing it, but it was like, can I, 
can I make this, you know, information source? How, what can I do with that? And where will I take it when COVID's over? And yes, it was a, it was work, but at the same time, it is so fulfilling. And I feel like it's almost like a lifestyle now. And it's just wonderful to be able to do that and to have that work-life balance. So I would say to anybody, just, just follow your gut, take the leap of faith. And I do a keynote, I do a lot of emceeing and, and a lot of keynote speaking. And I say the same thing, particularly to women, you know, if you're not happy what's holding you back, don't be afraid to jump because someone out there is going to look after you. And if you work hard and, you know, we've all got connections in through our careers, I think we sort of get comfortable in places because they're like security blankets and in jobs. And sometimes taking a leap of faith, I think the amount of women that have said to me, I did that at 40 or I did that at 35 and I'm so much happier. It's almost like a fear of leaving a job. And one thing about the younger generation, those people who are sort of, you know, coming out of uni and I love, again, young women who are so strong and so set in their goals. And if they're not happy, they will quit. But I think for older people who are my age, there's a real fear that you must stay in a job forever. And you just don't. There's there's so much, there's so much potential and work out there. So if you're not happy, just take the leap of faith because I promise you, it'll, it'll all work out okay. I love that advice. And I think that is, you know, applicable for any industry. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I have to ask, what's next for Jackie Felgate? I know you've got Friday footy kicking off. <laughs> yes, uh, that's lit. And I do a lot on AW now. I love breakfast radio. So I fill in for Ross and Russ for those younger listeners. You know, it's a great show. It's 5.30 till 8.30. But I fill in with Jimmy Bartel and we, we love doing that. And it's great fun. And it suits my lifestyle to get up early to do my work and then to be home to pick up the kids and have the day free. And it's one of those great programs that's been around. It's it's almost an institution in Melbourne. And so to be asked to be a part of that has been just so wonderful. And they just look after you. You know, Their producers are amazing. And I, I can't say a bad word about them. And I just, every day I go in there, I feel like it's a new challenge um, in terms of broadcasting, one that I hadn't done at that level before. So a bit more radio, I think I'll do. And just trying to learn to say no, because I think I took it, ta- I've taken on a little bit much, whether I do some podcasting sort of after the footy season, I'll probably like to do that again, if I can um, find the time, because I, I really enjoyed that as well. And I love talking to people, like, don't you? Like, I feel like it's one of the great parts of our job, the, the stories that you find out and the people that you meet and you get to converse with. It's, you know, I'm still really passionate about all of that. Well, you can tell that with all of your content. So I think that is why you do so well. Now, before you leave, I do have five quick fire questions for you. I know, (laughs) I know. They're they're slightly different this time. So firstly, what is your favourite PR event ever? Do you know, I've been to quite a few in 20 years of media, but I must say I do like the Grand Prix. You know, in terms of a, a, a corporate, the way that they do that, I'm really enjoying going to the, I don't actually have a ticket this year, but I did go last year and it was an amazing event, what they put on. And I, I very much enjoy that. But there've been so many over the years. Um, I think if there's one that stands out in particular, but I love sport and I love sporting events. And I love to see what PR companies actually do with those, whether it be the Australian Open's another really good example of that too. And how that's gone from a tennis event 
to a major event and all the installations and companies and advertisers and PR companies that are involved with that, again, a little bit like the Grand Prix and the races, it's become almost something else, something completely. And I find it fascinating to see how PR companies engage with whoever their client is and how they, you know, work around sport now almost as this this huge thing that's bigger than the game or the event itself. Um, and I really enjoy going to those. I agree. Sport is just such a great avenue. They turn into lifestyle events. You know, you go to the races, you might not even see a race. You're too busy in the fashion precincts. Exactly, exactly. And just how companies can engage with um, race goers or, you know, whether it be F1, whether it be horse racing, whether it be tennis, whether it be AFL. One of the great things about living in Melbourne, and I imagine as a PR exec as well, is we have so many events, so there's so much to do. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Your favorite podcast? Oh, well, I was an original adopter of Serial back in the day. I love a crime podcast and I still listen to a lot of those. And I just remember that being almost, that was revolutionary in terms of podcasting, like the original podcast and everything else that's followed. But I think I listened to that in its entirety three times in full over and over again. I was just obsessed with it. And he actually recently went through court and was acquitted. So it's just one of those amazing stories. And I remember that's where my love listening to podcasts started. But I also like there's a great podcast which Wondery produced called Business Wars. And if you're ever looking for one that you can listen to with the kids in the car rather than a crime one or whatever, which could be a bit off-putting, they actually look at big companies, for example, like McDonald's and Hungry Jack's, and they show you how the company started, how they've always competed it with each other and who sort of won out in the end. And they've looked at some amazing brands over the years like Nestle and Cadbury and pit them against each other. And, and the way that they do it, it's fascinating. They do a lot of research and it gives you a really good background in, into some companies that you know well, but you might not know how they started. And I quite enjoy that one. A, a lot of the Wondery podcasts I, I like too. There's another one called American Scandal too. They look at really controversial things that have happened and they can go right back to sort of the early 1900s and then they'll look at things that have happened that are scandalous today. So I, I enjoy both of those too. I love the sound of business wars. You've sold. you've got a recommendation <laughs> for me. Exactly. I'm sold. What is your favorite social media platform? Do I even have to ask? You don't need to. I said I'm still getting my head around TikTok and I don't use Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> your most visited website? Oh, that's a great question, actually. I love fashion. So look, I do look at the news where obviously I look at the the age and the Herald Sun and I like seeing when they follow up on my stories. That's quite fulfilling. <laughs> so I do um they did that yesterday. So I, I always enjoy that's always um that's always fun. But I love fashion, so I'm I, I tend to be on a lot of those, you know, I love Vic and Wood, Scanlon Theodore. I just did a, another thing I did this year that I would never have expected is is I did a clothing collection with Series Live. So I, I love spending my time looking at fashion it's kind of a hobby and I always thought if I didn't do journalism I would have loved to have been a stylist so you've had Lana on the podcast before I always think you know I love a bit of that on the side as, as recreation too I'm exactly the same and I know you're going to hate this last question what is your screen time 
I told you I can't answer, but I, I will tell you one thing. I remember at the height of the pandemic, I did look at it once and it was 18 hours and I also had 20,000 DMs on one day. So I was just like, oh, my God, that was the pinnacle. Um, and I, don't, I haven't looked at it since, but I, I try to stay off it a little bit now. It's it's 99% Instagram when it is when you look at the breakdown of what you're on. It's um it's appalling. I'm sorry. But you can, you can just say it's all for work. It's, it's fine. Work. It's professional. It's exactly. Well, Thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on to the podcast. I so appreciate your time. And as always, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate & Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app. And please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.